I've noticed that me and my family have had more screen time than ever recently. Is that virtual time good or bad? So a natural byproduct of having lost contact with everything else is that we do tend to make a bit more contact with what we do have. And it's a really, really useful thing that we have so many of the virtual supports that we have. I mean, this right now is virtual. And if we didn't have that, you know, there might be some advantages of that too. It might, for example, trigger our imagination a little bit more. But of course, the virtual is a little bit more sophisticated than uh, kind of a very narrow definition of it might seem. Because, for example, one of the things that sometimes come to mind uh, if somebody speaks negatively about the virtual is that we're maybe disconnected from the world or disconnected from other people. But, of course, much of the virtual now is live. So, you know, there is real-time reciprocal connection going on. Now, there's some differences, of course, to face-to-face -face interaction. But, you know, in principle, you could be fully present in the moment, but doing something that's disconnected with other people. And too much of that mightn't be great. Whereas you could be using the virtual and engaged in it to connect with other people. So it's not necessarily as simple as meets the eye. So I suppose one of the big things is it depends on the content. You know, you might be using the virtual for fabulous purposes. I mean, reading is a form of virtuality. And, you know, I like to think of it as a bit of a, a spectrum. And on, on one end of the spectrum, you have much more physical experience, where you are more or less engaged in what's in front of you in an immediate sense. Now, even that isn't quite as simple as that. We're always bringing something to the table because of the way we construct our understanding of the world. But more so, we're looking at something that's in front of us. Whereas over on the other side, right the other direction, you have situations where you're closing your eyes and you're literally just imagining. You know, you're just visualizing. There might be nothing in the room, but you're imagining people or places or things and engaging in them. Whereas in the middle, you've got more or less the virtual. You know, so a little bit more over this side, you've got the book. Because what the book is doing is uh, it's it's there's something physical there there's obviously an object and there's text in front of you but it's stimulating your imagination so much of what you're experiencing is coming from the inside whereas something like watching a film will be a bit more over the other side where there's more given in your external experience that's kind of prompting your thoughts and your feelings but even then while watching the film much of how you're thinking and feeling is coming from you it's coming from your prior experiences and that's why we interpret media in different ways, depending on the journey that we've been on. So something is only, I, I suppose, a substitute or a limited virtual version of something if something is missing. That's the key thing. And sometimes something is missing, but it just doesn't matter. So a good example of this would be uh, flight simulation training. So if you're an airline pilot, it's pretty hard to uh, get up in an airplane the whole time to practice. It's expensive. It's difficult to arrange. You know, you need supervision. So flight simulators are very good for this. And as an aside, uh, I understand, having heard from airline pilots, that even getting time in good flight simulators is kind of hard. 
So what they sometimes have to do is simulate the simulator and try and, you know, mock up something that kind of looks a little bit like the inside of, of an airplane or use, you know, more basic software, which is a little bit of a shame. But it's competitive, but that's because it's good. When you're in a good flight simulator, it's an awful lot like the airplane. It uh, has projections or screens, so you're, you're seeing what you would see on the outside of an aircraft. It has uh, a motion platform as part of it so that there is actually movement. The interior may actually be identical. A good simulator actually uses the same system as the, uh, as the actual manufactured airplane, so the same control panels. So you've got to ask the question, well, is this real? And so the control panel is real and some of the responses are real. So certain things might be missing, uh, but those things actually mightn't matter. You know, you might need to have a, uh, uh, a full tank of fuel and a bunch of passengers in the back if that's not really relevant to the training. Now, sometimes it might be, so that they do simulations and trainings for that too. So I think that's the consideration when you're thinking about the virtual, which is to what degree is it helpful and to what degree uh, is it giving you a complete experience? So sometimes we use the virtual because like the airplane example, it's all we've got. So if because of, of difficulties to do with distancing, if we can't connect with other people, well then certainly a phone call or a video call is gonna be really, really good because it's the best available version of what's there. Now, of course, that doesn't give you certain things. It doesn't give you the physical touch that a hug will give you. So there's limitations to it. But if that's all that's available, it's certainly going to give you a lot of those ingredients. And then the question is, how can you uh, get some of the ingredients that you're missing in other ways? Where can you find that hug? And if you can't get it now, can you get it at a later point? But the interesting thing is, you can to some, some degree even simulate physical experience. You know, if you've ever had a, a good dream where you've given somebody a good hug or watched a good film, that can do some of it as well. It can activate some of the same motor systems in the brain to give you kind of a feeling or a sense of that. Now, again, obviously, if the real thing is available, go for it. But sometimes beggars can't be choosers and we need to take what's available to us. So the other thing here is that balance is key. And if you're spending time playing video games or if you're spending time uh, watching films or if you're spending time reading, you know, all of these are virtual experiences. Uh, particularly to the extent that they're not fulfilling all of our, our needs, it's important that we then go and maybe get outdoors and breathe in the fresh air and move. Now, this is getting increasingly complicated as a question because sometimes a person will live their life in a very sedentary way. So in the real world, they're not maybe moving that much or connecting with people too much. But then when they go into the virtual world, like with modern virtual reality, very often you're standing, you're up and about, you're moving, you're reaching, you're wearing a headset, it's room scale, you're walking around the environment. Very often it's interactive, so you're connecting with people who you mightn't otherwise have met, and it's a deeply social experience. So it's kind of strange that the old arguments that used to be used against virtuality, sometimes now it goes the other way. Because people used to say, well, you're disconnected from other people and you're just sitting there. Well, now very often it's the reverse, that in the virtual worlds, you're up and about and you're moving and you're connecting with other people. So it's like, well, which is it? So we can see that balance is, of course, going to be useful. And um, typically, like a balanced diet, and particularly 
until we reach the point where virtual systems become even more effective, we're going to absolutely want a mix. If you're breathing in fresh air, you know, while you're in VR because you're wearing your headset outdoors, well, then does that classify as time in nature? Mm, yeah, I suppose it does. You could say, well, visually, that's an issue. Well, maybe it is. Uh, is wearing glasses a problem? You know, what about augmented reality where you bring certain elements in? In a way, we do that when we use our phones. If you're going exploring in the forest and you use your phone to help guide you using maps, and then maybe you see a plant that you're not that familiar with and you Google it because you want to learn more about it, is that a problem? So you can see that we're living in a world where I think all of these things are colliding, and the physical and the virtual and the imaginary aren't as separate as we would have once thought. So I think the key in all of this in ensuring balance is, yeah, use whatever's available, but try to be as holistic as possible. So probably a bit of time outdoors, a bit of time indoors, lots of moving, lots of relaxing, meeting those social needs, also a bit of alone time. They can be met more physically, more virtually, and to a certain degree through imagination and visualization as well. There's a lot to be said for stopping and just reflecting gently on some of the things that matter to us. So some rich combination there that could be useful. If you found this valuable, do like, subscribe and share. And what's your experience? Do you have any questions or topic suggestions? You can contribute in the comments, on social media using hashtag BodyMindSelf or at JFL.com.